This is John 17, 20 through 26. Jesus prays for all believers. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you have loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, through the wor- though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make known in order, make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The word of our Lord. Thanks, Amy. Now let me pray for us. Uh, Lord, guide us now. Teach us, uh, Holy Spirit, uh, what you want us to hear. Uh, thank you uh, for the time that we've, we've had in this prayer uh, that Jesus is praying uh, for us. I pray that uh, his prayer for us would, uh, would become our prayer for us, uh, that, that the lenses uh, with which he is looking upon um, the world and our lives, uh, that we would embrace that uh, for ourselves and know that, um, that that's what's uh, not just good, it's what's best for us um, because you've created us uh, and you love us uh, and you've, you've done something remarkable for us. Um, and I pray, uh, Lord, that that would be the, become the joy of our hearts, um, Lord, uh, that our, our community would be a place that deeply revels in the love of God, um, the matchless, um, undeserved, and yet uh, unrelenting love uh, of God. So make landfall, Lord. Come on. Uh, we need you. In your name, amen. Okay, have a seat. So this is our last Sunday um, in this prayer in John 17. We've spent three weeks in this prayer as a way to start our new year, uh, remembering together as, as a congregation and as a church in this area uh, why we're here and what we're all about. And uh, I've kind of said to you, this isn't um, what's, what's you know, normal at this time of year is to kind of be uh, in the grind of your New Year's resolutions. This is not... Uh, a New Year's resolution. Uh, this is us um, really um, stepping into and embracing what Jesus was asking the Father in this prayer in John 17 to do for them. Uh, he's saying, man, I'm, I'm praying, Father, would you do this for them, and then would you do this uh, through them? They desperately need things to be done for them, and then when I do these things for them, I have a mission for them. And so we, we're spending time really re-grasping and, and re-bathing ourselves in his mission and his vision for our lives. And what does it mean for us to live into our collective identity, not our individual identity, but our collective identity as his people, his body, those who are new creations in Christ. And those who believe 
what he teaches us to pray, which is, is that uh, his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's going to bring that kingdom to come on earth now in a way through us, that we are the agents, we're the ambassadors of that in the here and now. And so the three things I'm just going to remind you, if you haven't been here, I would really encourage you to go back and listen because they've, they're kind of three legs of a stool. They build upon each other. The first thing he prays is, I want, you to be, um, I want them to be sanctified. This is something I want you to do for them, sanctified by the truth. I want them to be set apart and understand that they are set apart and that they're chosen by me. I want them to be sanctified and set apart by the truth. And when they're set apart by the truth and sanctified by the truth, I send them into the world. As the Father sent me into the world, so I'm sending them into the world. I'm sending them with a set apart, a sanctified love into the world that looks like a radical unity amongst this group of people. That the way that we live and love and are with one another would be, would be the aroma of Christ. It would be so attractive to the world around us. The people would say, something's different about that group of people and I want to know why. I'm praying that they be sanctified by the truth, that they be sent into the world. And what we're going to talk about this morning is the very end of this prayer. He doesn't use this word, but he prays effectively, would you sustain them for that mission? I've set them apart, and I've got something that I'm going to do in and through them, but if, they are, if, they're, going to, if they're going to be on that mission, uh, they're going to need to be sustained for that mission. Like I think that, if, well, if you're like me, I think, I mean, as a human, we tend to overestimate our capacity and underestimate our need for the Lord and to be sustained by the Lord. I tend to overestimate my ability, how far I can go. You know, I was, I was thinking about um, Seinfeld, of all things. Um, you remember the, the episode where Kramer... <laughs> Uh, was seeing how far he could drive the car without running out of gas. I can't even remember the whole context of that episode, but it was just kind of one more exit and one more exit and one more exit. I can, I can just kind of keep going, right? You know, I think he said, I looked up, he said that we still have some overlap between the needle and E. <laughs> we kind of live there a lot of times, right? Like the needle's way down, but man, I can just, I can just go a little bit further and a little bit further and I think Jesus is praying for the Father to do something, which is sustain them, knowing that he isn't calling me to just kind of keep pushing on in my own effort and in my own strength. I need to be sustained by him to do what he's called us to do. He says it earlier in John 15, apart from me, if they don't remain in me, and I in them, apart from me, they can do nothing. So he's clearly got a mission for him. But he's also saying clearly they're going to need to be sustained by me for that mission. The very beginning of the, of the end of this prayer, this section, he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. He's saying this is my supreme desire that, that, and this is what we await one day that we will be with the Lord, we will be in glory, we will be in heaven. And he's saying, that, that's my supreme desire, that you would see me and be with me in my full unveiled glory. These disciples, us, we, 
We have, we have a better picture of it today than they did even, but we have a preview of that. But Jesus is saying that, that day is coming, but while they're waiting for that day to come, um, they're going to need to be sustained. They're going to need to be refueled. They're going to need to be taken care of. Um, it's kind of like, have you, how many of you have flown on a plane with children? And they're your children. <laughs> what do you do when you fly on a plane with kids? What? <laughs> Sweat. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of hot in here. It feels like a plane right now, right? Yeah. We did it over Christmas, and what you do is you have this bag that is packed full of so much stuff because you know, hey, I know where we're headed, right? But between now and there, there's going to be a lot of things we're going to have to do to make it from now to there. I'm going to need to sustain little Lane with something in order to get to the destination. And so Jesus is praying for a couple of things here, two sustaining things and then one effect. So here, here are the two sustaining things. It makes up three things, and this is what we'll, we'll talk about out of this prayer. The first thing that will sustain us is that you would continue to know the Lord more. This is going to sound so simple, especially if you've been at church, and I've been praying for us this morning um, that the Holy Spirit would do what only the Holy Spirit can do, which is, is apply this truth to your heart in a new way and in a fresh way. Because you could hear that and say, continue to know more. Oh, yeah, of course I need to continue to know more. Continue to know more, point one. Second point, so that, this is why I want you to know me more, so that, what he says there, the love that you have for me, the, the love that the Father has for the Son may be in them. So continue to know the Lord so that your love may be in them. And then the third thing we'll talk about is so that others may know him and his love through us. You have to be sustained by continuing to know the Lord more so that his love may be in you. And when those two things happen, and especially happen in the context of community, it's dynamic. Other people come to know him and know his love in a new way through us, okay? So continue. The first thing he prays here, righteous Father, this is the very, very end of the prayer if you want to follow along. Though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. I've made you known, and I'm going to continue to make you known. Jesus is making a commitment there. He's making a promise there. He's saying, I'm committed not to just revealing who you are and what you've done, but I'm going to continue to do that for them. And if Jesus is praying that for us, we must need that. Like some people, I don't know about you, some people can feel really ashamed that they have to be reminded of something. Jesus is not ashamed that you need to be reminded that he loves you all the time. Like he's not, he's not wringing his hands like, why can't you remember that I love you? That's why Paul says all the time, I, I never tire of reminding you of this truth because he understands something about being a human being, which is that I'm going to forget. I'm going to act as though I don't know who you are. I'm going to have experiences that are going to try to teach me 
that you don't love me. <laughs> and so I have to constantly have you and the knowledge of you and experience of you revealed to me. I'm going to continue to make myself known to them. Them is interesting as well. It's not, it's not, I'm not going to make myself known to you as individuals, but I'm going to make myself known to you as a body of people. He's saying, you know, he said it earlier in this uh, long discourse leading up to this prayer, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit because you're never going to be able to remember who I am and my love for you without that. The Holy Spirit is going to remind you of all that I've said to you, all that I've shown you, all that I am for you. And I've also not just given my Holy Spirit to one person, I've given my Holy Spirit to you and to everyone else who's in me. Because I'm going to make myself and make the love of the Father known to you through you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are a temple of the living God if you're in Christ. And so one of the ways that he is going to make himself known and continue to make himself known to us is through us. Like oftentimes in my own life, I mean, everybody probably can attest to this. I know God loves me, but it's when I'm loved as God loves me through the love of another person that the gospel clicks. Oh, it becomes incarnate, right? Love in flesh. I experience who Jesus is through you. And he's saying, I'm going to have to continue to make that known to you more and more. So this isn't a um, check it off the list. I know, uh, yes, I know Jesus loves me. This is looking into it again and again and again because what you are looking into is a love and a Jesus that this prayer alone says this, existed before the creation of the world by, for, and through whom all things were created and held together, and who is glorious, and he has said, I've set my affection on you. It, it would be to not continue to grow and to continue to have him made known to us would be like going to the Grand Canyon one time and saying, I've seen the Grand Canyon. I've seen it, yeah. And yet, if you talk to somebody who lives close to the Grand Canyon, they would say, I can never go to the Grand Canyon enough because how could I see it all in one sight? How could I see it all in one view? He's saying, I'm praying and committed to continuing to make you, Father, known to them. How does God answer that prayer? Like, if you read on in the Bible, if we continue on into Scripture, just a few books, a book really later in Acts, how do we see God answer that prayer in Scripture? Just after the resurrection, just after the ascension of Christ, in Acts 2, Jesus shows us how he fulfills that commitment to making himself known to them. Let me read this for us. This is Acts 2. Holy Spirit's come. They have the Holy Spirit, what Jesus promised in John 15. And this is what the early church did. It said, 
they devoted themselves, or the actual language there is they continually gave themselves over to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions, gave to those who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number. They continually gave themselves over. It was one of my favorite responses that someone in my small group said. Said, what have you missed about not being in a small group? And he said, the routine, because I need it. Like, I need, I need these liturgies in my life that bring me back to the truth time and time again. And this is what we see, how Jesus, how God was fulfilling that, fulfilling that prayer that he prayed in John 17. It was through these practices that they were continually giving themselves over to, to worship, to fellowship, to the apostles' teaching, to breaking bread and prayer. This was a learning, a continuing education community, right? It was a loving community. It was a leveraging community, a community that leveraged what they had for those in need. And why they did it, gosh, I hope this is... It hits home. (laughs) They did it not to make God love them. You see what Jesus is praying here? It's so, it's it's subtle, it's so easy to miss even in the the way that this is worded. I'm going to continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. And earlier it said, You have loved them even as you have loved me. You have loved them before the creation of the world. You hear what he's saying? They didn't devote themselves to these things in order to leverage God to do something for them or to get something from God. They did these things so that the love that you have for me, Father, may be in them. Not to get something they don't have, but to live into and experience what they fully already have in him. And he's saying without these things, without these continual giving yourself over to these things, you're not going to live into and experience what you've already got. Not what you need, but what you already have fully in him. That prayer is fulfilled and they're continually giving themselves over so that they wouldn't forget that they are loved with a love that pre-existed the creation of the world. A love that pre-existed the creation of the world. Last week, Hal said that we're going to start offering prayer. Um, we've been praying about this and thinking about this. That every week after the service, if you want to be prayed for, Um, there will be an opportunity, somebody, a team of people is going to be standing over there um, to pray for you and to pray with you. It's one of the things that we see the early church doing. Why do we do that? Why are we doing that? Is that just something like, man, that'd probably be a good thing to do, you know, pray for people. No. Why are we doing that? Why did they do it? Why did they devote themselves to prayer, to interceding, for one another in prayer. 
Well, in the most basic form, what prayer is, is, is prayer is bringing people to Jesus, to the Father, because we have access to do that. And when we bring them to the Father, what they actually experience through prayer is the nearness of the Lord, His peace, His presence, not being alone, His love for them and for them through one another. That's why Paul says in Philippians, the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer is like when the friends of the paralytic tear off the roof and bring them down into the presence of the Lord. Why do we do that? Do we do that to kind of strong arm the Lord or get him to do what we want? No, we do that collectively because it reminds us of the truth that we are loved by a God who loved us before the creation of the world, is what Scripture says. So he's praying, you've you got to be sustained by continuing to have him made known to you. Why? So that my love may be in them. You guys, just go with me here, okay? Is everybody going with me? Are we good? Okay, sorry. This has really bent my mind a little bit this week, meditating on this. I want you to continue in these things, not to make me love you, but because I do, and I want you to know that. And it's a love that Jesus says here, the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them, so you've loved them, even as you have loved me. And a verse later, he says, you loved me before the creation of the world. I'm just saying I loved them before the creation of the world. That's what Ephesians you know, 1, 4, and 5 says. He says, he chose us in him. That's a sanctifying term. He sanctified us. He set us apart in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. You hear it? He predestined us for adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. It was his pleasure, it was his will, and it was in love that he chose you. A love that pre-existed the creation of the world. Now that's not just uh, time-bending, mysterious kind of theology. It is. But I want us to really think of it in terms of how practical it is for our daily lives. And I'm going to argue why. I want you to think of, of, of a love that preexisted the creation of the world in, the, in, in these terms. Think of it more along the lines of how much love is attached to our productivity or lack of productivity in this world. How you and I and the economics of love work in our relationships with one another. We live in a world that loves based on performance. You do something in order to be loved, right? And you love because of how others are towards you. That's the economics. What you do for me or what I do for you, it's even true that even my own service or even my own acts of love can just be a love for myself sometimes, right? I love myself more, you guys have heard me talk about this, the you for me's, I did it for you for me. 
I love myself more because I'm that kind of a person, but it's still my love is based on what I've done or what I haven't done. Jesus is saying, you have been given, you've been sanctified, you've been set apart, you've been given a new heart and a new spirit to love and experience love in a pre-existing way. That a baseline of love exists regardless of what you do or what you don't do. This is the good news, y'all. And he's saying you have to continue to know that. You have to continue to have a fresh experience of that knowledge of him and his love if you are going to be sustained for the race that is your life. You are loved by a love that pre-exists all of your failures and all of your sin. So it's a love you can't lose because you've blown it, and we've all blown it, right? And you have a love that pre-exists all of your good works and all of your successes. It's a love you can't lose, and it's a love you can't earn. And it's the love that the Father had for the Son before the creation of the world, and it's yours. And if you don't know that, if you don't continue to know that, if you don't continue to experience that, you will, as Johnny Lee said in his song, go looking for love in all the wrong places. How many people know who Johnny Lee is in here? There's like six people. Eddie Murphy made it a little more popular um, in one of his Saturday Night Live characters, Woken Penub. Um, listen to Johnny Lee here. I mean, this is the gospel, y'all. I spent a lifetime looking for you. Single bars and good time lovers were never true, playing a fool's game, hoping to win, and telling those sweet lies and losing again. I was looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love in too many faces. Searching her eyes, looking for traces of what I'm dreaming of. Hoping to find a friend and a lover. I'll bless the day that I discover another heart. I'm looking for love. It's what David understands in Psalm 27 when he says, one thing I ask, this is what I seek. And he says to himself later, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. I have to continue to know him more. And he knows that for me to be sustained. And he wants me to know more because he wants me to experience his love, first and foremost. And when I experience his love, it bonds us together into a unified force, which is called his bride, the church, that collectively brings a glimpse of the glory of God and the love of God to a world around us that desperately needs it. We become ambassadors of those who are loved in a pre-existing way, and so we can love in that way. I don't love you because of what you do for me or what you have done to me that I don't like. I love you with a different love because I've received it, and I continue to receive it. A picture of this is in Isaiah 32. I think I've said or talked about this once before, but here's a picture of what that looks like. He says, See, a king will reign in righteousness 
when a king reigns in his righteousness and his rulers rule with justice. So those underneath the king, those that are under the king and under the king's love, they rule and they live and they do their lives in the way that the king does. And here's what happens. Each one of them will become a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in a desert and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. He makes us into shelters from the wind, refuge from the storm, streams of water in the desert, and a shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. And here's the effect. Because we're sustained by those things, but it has an effect. Then the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed. The ears of those who hear will listen. The fearful heart will know and understand. And the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. We become a shelter and a refuge and a stream of water. The very things that the Lord is for us, the Lord becomes that for others through us. And people now see who weren't seeing. People whose ears were closed can listen. Fearful hearts know and understand, and stammering tongues become fluent and clear. He's saying, you, you got to be sustained. You have to continue to know me more, and I'm going to make myself known so that you can know my love, and so that by being in my love, I transform you into this, and it profoundly impacts the world around you. So a couple practical things I want us to consider, and then I'll close this in prayer. One is, um, would you pray, would you, I would love for you to just spend more time in this actual prayer, but would you pray and join Jesus in his prayer, would you sanctify me by the truth, which is another way of saying, will you continue to make yourself known to me? Will you continue to make your love known to me and give me the grace and the character and the desire to continually give myself over to the things like worship, like fellowship, like breaking of bread and prayer? Would you give me the grace and the character and the desire to give myself over to the things that establish and remind me of your great love for me? I, gosh, I have to have it. I will not be sustained without it. So would you join him in that prayer first and foremost? Would that be a mark of our lives this year as a community? Sanctify us by the truth. Continue to make yourself known. Continue to make your love known. Because when he does that, the second thing is this. I talked about it a little bit last week. Would you begin to have a sanctified imagination about who the Lord is saying, I've called you to be a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm, a stream of water in the desert, and a shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. God is bringing people into your life that desperately need to know what you know and know the love that you know. Their hearts are, as Johnny Lee said, looking for love in too many faces. And you, like David does with his prayer, can grab them by the hand and say, my heart says seek his face and let's seek his face together. So would you pray about what is deeper water with these relationships? 
Who, Lord, do you have me interacting with that you're asking me, take him by the hand and lead him into a deeper knowledge and understanding and experience of the love of God that you've received? And I'm asking you, would you pray for names and then get creative? How are you going to invite them into that? Bring them here, bring them to group, go have lunch with them every single week. I don't know. Set up a time where you play basketball together. What, I, what, is, it, what is it? Would you begin to think that way about your life because he has sent you into the world with the most powerful thing that the world has ever known? Sanctify me. Continue to make yourself known. Show me who you want me to share this with and give me courage and character to do so. Third thing is this, what we're doing right now. Half my family's not here because my kids are sick this morning. I get it. It's tough. You're weak. A lot of times you feel like uh, you've been thrown under the bus that got thrown under the bus, right? It can feel that way. But I can, I can tell you this, and, and if you disagree with me, come tell me later, but be gentle when you do it. Um, nobody ever regrets getting up and coming when it's over. It's true. Everybody says, man, I was, oh gosh, it was tough to get there. But when they prioritize it in their life, because they understand I'm a leaky boat, that I, I have to have the gospel poured into me all the time. I have to have my heart renewed and restored and receive his love again and again. W would you prioritize and organize your life around being here? Not because we need you to do that, because you need you to do that. Remember what I said? We don't continue in these things to make God do anything for us. He wants to do something for us which is his remind us of his great love, and we need that. So would you prioritize being here for that? It's like, <laughs> I teased Emily about this. Again, when Emily and I first got married, um, we got married after her freshman year in college. You can ask me about that story later. But her freshman year in college, she was in Indiana, and um, so her sophomore year, we're there, and I'm driving her car, and I looked up, and, um, well, it's our car at that point. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll take some responsibility for this. And she was in the passenger seat, and I looked up in the, the oil change sticker, and I was reading it, and I kind of looked down, <laughs> and I looked up, and I looked down, and I was like, 5,000, it's 10,000. I went through all my toes, and then I realized, oh, no. This car hasn't had its oil changed in like 23,000 miles. And I asked her, I said, she's not even here to defend herself. I said, hey, babe, when's, like, maybe the sticker, they forgot the sticker, you know, four times in a row. <laughs> it's possible. Uh, and <laughs> I said, when's the last time you had your oil changed? And she goes, I, I don't know. She's like, I mean, prior to this, she lived in her parents' house, and her parents just kind of took care of that. And she was like, I, I've never had my oil changed. I guess Dad did that. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so I pulled the car over and pulled the dipstick out. It was like a Looney Tunes cartoon, you know, like when it, like, turns to ash and just kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> It was bad. We got rid of that car quick. Uh, <laughs> 
Subaru. It's a great vehicle, man. I guess it can, I guess it can run without oil for a long time. But it's like not being here and not being in a small group, it, it's literally like driving your car 23,000 miles. And then you wonder why the engine and, and it's driving the way that it's driving. Uh, it's because uh, it needs an oil change. And that's what this is. And maybe some of you are great at changing your own oil. But the reality is, is I, I, need, um, I need to have it changed for me by the Lord. And, and part of how he does that is he does it with us in this room. Like, this room isn't what it is without you. So, like, like Colossians 3 says, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. You would think this is the message, what we're doing right now, me giving you the message. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs through the Spirit singing with God with gratitude to your heart. So when we stand up and we sing these songs, we're not just like, okay, this is kind of like we're killing some time until we get to the sermon so the message of Christ can dwell. No, you are putting the gospel into one another with your own mouths. You're, you're doing inception in your heart through singing together, singing your heart into a different place. So this doesn't, isn't what it, it can be or what it needs to be without all of us being here. So would you see Sunday morning like that? It's not going to church. You don't go to church. You are the church. And the church has to gather to have its oil changed every week. And then lastly, Hal said I was going to say something about this. There's a whole other church happening about, well, in this school, it feels like a half mile away. <laughs> But like just down those hallways with about 100 plus kids every Sunday morning. And I challenged us last week, would you not see this as childcare? Because it's so far beyond childcare. How we think about it and what is going on back there. Would you see it as the very thing that we're doing here? We are changing the oil of the heart of our children so that they can experience what it means to continue in their knowledge of him and continue to experience what it means that God loves them through us. So I want to first off thank, because there are so many of you in this room who have embraced this. They have embraced what it means to serve in Kidtown in a different way, and they come in with a prepared heart, and they see this as a spiritual greenhouse where we plant and where we water and where we prune the gospel in the lives of our covenant kids. They're going to continue to know him more, grow in their knowledge of him and the love that the Father has for them, the pre-existing love. They're going to learn that and experience it through us. Brothers and sisters, you have been, if you're in Christ, sanctified by the truth. He has set you apart. He has chosen you. you. You are his beloved. You are holy. You are dearly loved. You are his treasured possession. Would, would we be sustained in that through these practices? Would we begin to see what we do together as the things, the vehicles, the means of grace by which he feeds us and reminds us of that truth? 
And would he send us out? He is sending us out, at least to those kids back there. We know that much. But it's bigger than that, sending us out to the world around us. That's my hope. That's our prayer. It's not mine. It's his for us. All right? Let me pray for us. Lord, oh, thank you. Uh, left uh, to ourselves, um, I'd be like that Subaru. I would just drive and drive and drive until my engine burned up. Thank you uh, that you have uh, throughout history um, shown some just very, very simple but profoundly powerful ways that you have called your body uh, to come together to be those who continue to know more and more of who you are so that we can continue to have the love that you have uh, Father for the Son in us, uh, and that we can have you in us, so that we can be those uh, who take that love to a world who desperately needs to see it. Uh, would you make it so? Thank you uh, that you have made it so. I thank you that we are a part of a community that is, is fighting for this. Uh, would you strengthen us and sustain us in that call? We pray in your name. Amen.